Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 126 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with Phil Svrella, the CEO of Phenobotech, <laughs> uh, which is a million, multi-million dollar company that uh, he founded, which we can talk about. But mainly, we want to talk about us traveling like a boss these last week or two. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you, Johnny, for having me. Yeah, so Phil's actually uh, buddies, uh, fraternity buddies with Sam Marks, who is the third musketeer on, on this trip. H- how did you actually uh, meet Sam and how did you get involved on this trip? Sam and I got to know each other back at uh, Florida State uh, a few years ago. We were in the same fraternity. I'm a year older than Sam, but uh, Sam uh, is pretty well known. Everyone knows Sam, and I'm just one of those guys. Nice. So so both you and Sam are pretty successful now. Do, do you think um, a lot of that had to do with being in the fraternity? Like, What, is, what are your advice to like young college guys who are thinking about if they should join or not? That's a pretty good question. Uh, I figure sometimes that like-minded people tend to associate with each other. And it seems like with different fraternities or different groups or organizations that, you know, those people have things in common. So it's not really a surprise to see that uh, there's, you know, two successful people that were in the same group. At the foundation of it, yes, I think that uh, it can certainly help. I can't imagine a situation where it'd be a hindrance to to join a fraternity in any way. Right. So, so, okay, so actually, before we get to all that, we got we have to mention where we are because we're actually not even in a country right now. <laughs> that's that's true. I was hoping you'd point that out. It's, it's quite interesting. Where are we at? So we just left Moldova, which is the poorest country in Europe. We got our, our passport stamped to leave, but now we are in no man's zone, those few miles between Moldova before we can get into the Ukraine. That's right. Uh, we're in about uh, an hour of traffic right now. We're pulled off the side of the road along some cornfields, very small border checkpoint. Looks like almost like an old gas station. And we're just in line waiting to get our passport stamped. Yeah, so I figured, what, this is perfect time to start this podcast because <laughs> we have, there's no service uh, on our phones, there's no Wi-Fi, there's nothing to do. I mean, literally, like, we look outside and there are, you know, just cars lined up trying to cross into the Ukraine. Um, so why did you come on this trip? Uh, honestly, uh, you know, you and Sam are, are um, associates, uh, friends, and uh, you were uh, traveling a few months through uh, through Europe, and Sam uh, wanted to join you on the last leg so that he could uh, eventually make his way to Kiev, and uh, he had posted online that uh, he was planning to do this trip and was looking for anyone else interested in joining, and it's a perfect time in my schedule, my work life, to, to join in, so I booked a ticket and uh, got to meet you. That's pretty cool that like you were able to just see an old friend who you haven't you haven't seen since college, right? Absolutely. And you guys are friends on, friends on Facebook still. You kind of see what's going on in, in each other's lives. And he posts, hey, who wants to come join me on this epic adventure? And you're like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. Uh, you know, with, with social media and, and the folks that uh, you and I have met in our journeys, uh, you know, more so you in your past three months around Europe, um, you know, we're probably going to stay connected with these people throughout the years. And it's interesting to see, um, you know, how you're going to connect with them in the future and, and the possibilities um, for those future relationships. So, one example of that is Hello. when I was in Madova, uh, my buddy Francis Wolf, who I have not talked to since like 2007 or 2008, he's actually the first guy ever to show me how to edit videos. He used to edit snowboarding videos. And when I was in LA, I was making, you know, these 
you know, whatever stupid videos. And he kind of showed me over his shoulder, like, oh, like, I'll do it for you. And he didn't even really teach me. He was kind of just doing it and saying, oh, you know, do you want to edit cut here? Do you want a title here? And watching him do it just over his shoulder, I realized it's like, this is so easy. I can do this myself. <laughs> now, this is the guy you met in L.A.? Yeah, I met him in L.A. Have not seen him or spoken to him since... 2007 so that's wild you know however it's eight years and he saw on facebook that i was in romania where we were yeah. in romania and he just messages me gives me a bunch of tips he's like hey you know make sure you do this restaurant make sure that's you see so this wild. say this place and it's because of him that we found therm oh yeah so uh so so johnny's gonna tell you about therm but uh um and i i thank him uh graciously for for you know getting the news about that it turned out to be one of the coolest experiences i've ever had um johnny why, why don't you give a summary of uh what that was like so so you know basically the, our very first day we arrived in uh bucharest romania none of us liked it like it was <laughs> there was nothing to do there um even, i actually i actually did not find it that uh displeasing yeah you know what i think it, what it is is compared to all the other capitals I've right. been to in this trip, I think if you like, because for you it was like your second stop, right? Because you right. joined us where I joined in Sofia, Bulgaria, and uh, so yeah, Bucharest was uh, our second stop. And and for you, you've been you know traveling these big cities throughout Europe, so you've kind of seen the old buildings and the cafes and you know the different types of people. You know, I had just came from South Florida, and I had been there for a while. I haven't taken a big trip for for quite a bit, so um, it, for me, yeah, for me it was surprising. Uh, for you, I think uh, you're kind of over it, but yeah, you know, I, I can imagine that. You know, it's actually great to have that fresh perspective where you know i think so sam actually mentioned this I, I don't know where he read it but he said that the difference between um someone who like someone who like really enjoys travel and someone who doesn't you know uh even like the like someone who's you know like uh, finally has finally has a lot of money or someone who's still broke is a big difference between happiness and not is if you appreciate things or if you expect things so expectation versus appreciation i i think to even build on that a little bit further um you know throughout my travels when i was younger i was was kind of uh, uh, you know working on a smaller budget traveling and you aren't able to enjoy the uh, the things that are available and a really good example of this is uh, you had taken us to uh, when we were in that small town in the Transylvania area the number one rated restaurant called Forest. Very neat place. Um, it's it's connected to a hotel, but it's kind of surrounded by trees. You're kind of in the forest. Um, almost looks like a treehouse, and it's the number one rated place. And it, uh, you know, relatively wasn't expensive to what you you know spend uh, maybe in the states, but here and um, you know it was like maybe the most expensive restaurant in town. But uh, you're right to be able to have that budget when you travel and you get to experience everything and not have to think twice about it. It's it's a really good feeling. So thank you, Francis, for that recommendation of that restaurant as well. <laughs> uh, so. Kind of touching on that, it, it's I think going all these other capitals, um, you know, bef before like Prague or Vienna or these, you know, these places are so beautiful and also there's it was very like safe. Mm -hmm. It felt you know just everything was just kind of laid out well. You know, yeah. there was a lot, lots to do. It's easy. And when I went to Sofia when we met up uh, there, uh, it was also you know it was nice, but I was like, okay, this is in general it's not as nice as like the like right. the other European countries. And then when we got to Bucharest, it was like another step down. And then I think my expectations were too high. I was kind of expecting every you know every country every capital to be more beautiful more grand or like you know be set up even even nicer so when I got there I think my expectations were too high and when I found out there wasn't like there's not that much to do there the infrastructure is not really there um, and the safety wasn't there all of a sudden instead of me appreciating you know seeing a new country I was like comparing it to these other ones thinking oh this isn't as good yeah that's a good point you know like you, you had been traveling and you were kind of almost working downwards um, you know instead of rather than starting from uh starting from Moldova and kind of working way up to, you know, the well-known uh, Paris and Prague and, you know, Warsaw, things like that. You're kind of working backwards. So, yeah, I can certainly see how you uh, you felt that way. 
either way we have to mention what is in front of us right now in the car we're like pretty much like uh right right in the front of the line and we see two things one are one right in front of us and one to our right can you see it yeah so uh so we're about next in line well one of one of the lines we're next and there is a uh female uh guard and she has a large gun machine gun like an like an (laughs) ak-47 she's in army fatigue with boots and a hat but but describe how she looks. Is it, is it appropriate to comment that she's, she's hot. yeah she's pretty hot? I mean, uh, yeah she's she's probably the you know when you go to the, like uh, the costume store for Halloween and the girls are deciding between uh, the cat outfits and um, you know the, this is this is the sexy military outfit and it, it looks pretty good. Like she is a gorgeous like super beautiful girl. I I don't know how comfortable I am taking a photo of her because yeah. she has an AK forty seven. Sam Sam could you try to get a photo of her? But uh, yeah. I don't know. Sam Sam's getting out of the car now. He's, he has no uh, shirt he has on. No shirt on. He's taking a. I don't know if he should do this. Is he? It's should, okay. Should he, is it okay? That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Das. So our driver is. Uh, you know. He, he he's like. Oh, uh, it was on top. Oh, it's right there. So our, our drivers. You know, kind of just say, ah, Sam, do whatever you want to do. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but actually, so to the right, do you see that that building over there? I can't, I can't, I can't. See just, it. just that that right oh, there. Oh, this little, this little one. Sure, it is. You know that bunker out of Starcraft? <laughs> no, Sam. No. So our, our driver is like saying, He's telling shaking us his not, head, not to go. Saying Sam is doing something yeah, stupid. Sam. But but. Yeah, Sam. but but no, 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 he's no, no, not no. stopping him. Driver just got out of the car. Sam's walking with no shirt. Oh, Sam, no. With his camera. No, no. <laughs> he's asking if he could take a picture. And, the uh, guy's the, shaking his the head. The guy's clear, clearly shaking his head. Our driver had to get out to stop him. I think Sam's going to yeah. s- sneak a photo anyways. Though. So if we can get this for the show notes of this episode, it's going to be amazing. I, I think uh, I think they're allowing the driver to take a picture of Sam. With kind of the... Uh, oh, no, Sam's said, going they back. Said no, they said no. Oh, my God. This is such a good good photo. She, she, like, she looks like she can be a victorious secret like angel uh, maybe she is maybe she's uh undercover to convince guys like us uh yeah. hey what are you secretly doing here you know what what do you have in your bags okay um, so, um so we had this missile turret on the right it's like a it's, it's it's straight up a bunker from star starcraft have you played that game <laughs> i i i have it i'm familiar with what this is it's about a uh three foot by four foot concrete uh it's a bunker it's yeah. a small hole in the middle uh just enough, enough to put a couple guns, put a, out put a guns in your face to uh you know see where you're shooting at and in starcraft you could fit four people in there uh with machine <laughs> guns or flamethrowers i'm pretty sure pretty sure this one fits maybe maybe yeah i think uh, i see four people as well uh, it's pretty I, small I'd probably, I'd probably say two maybe three because you have your 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 gear on you and your yeah, guns. That, yeah. Okay. So this is where we're doing this podcast from in no man's land, going into Ukraine. I was kind of surprised you wanted to pull this equipment out because uh, I was thinking that they'd look at these wires. So you can't see it, folks, but uh, Johnny has his laptop here and some uh, USB cords and wires and chargers and microphones and some mixer equipment. And we're in the back. And I don't know if I was a guard at a border crossing and I saw this setup, I would I'd be suspicious. You know what? Or fascinated. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But I just figured, you know, instead of us wasting time, um, you know, just sitting around in, the, in this heat, we might as well do something productive and apologize to all the listeners for, you know, not being on schedule. Because when I'm in Chiang Mai, I'm meeting entrepreneurs all the time. I have, I have all this time on my hands. So I'm putting out uh, episodes every week on time. And now it's thanks to people on Twitter and Facebook messaging me saying, hey, when's the next episode coming out? <laughs> that I'm actually like, oh, man, it's really been a week. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, I'm shocked at 126 episodes so far. That's amazing. It doesn't sound like you guys uh, are stopping anytime soon. It's really cool, and I appreciate it. No, I mean, this is like a, a great way to share, you know, cool people that we meet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's a great idea. Yeah. Um, and 
I mean, so the fact is a lot of people, you know, are planning their, their trips based on us kind of like forging through and kind of figuring out what are the, the best places to visit, especially if you're like a digital nomad. If you want to like work and be able to, to travel. You're essentially the guinea pig of, of the travel, it sounds like. You're putting yourself first mm-hmm. and then uh, going through the experiences. And, and we may learn the lesson of if you ever do that, what we're doing now is don't get out of the car and take pictures <laughs> and don't uh, have your computer set up. So we'll let you know shortly if uh, <laughs> if that's appropriate yeah, or not. there you go. So uh, <laughs> if you guys have saw my travel guide uh, for Bulgaria, uh, okay place to, to co-work. Sofia was was decent. N- nice city um, overall. It was, it was a small, it was a small city um, just up and coming. Um, there was like one main strip of shops. Yeah. Yep. Bur- Bur- what did you think of uh, Bur- Burgess? Bur- so Burgess? Burgess was the next place we went to, which is the beach town on the Black Sea, also in Bulgaria. Uh, it was nice. Uh, the, the beaches were fun. You know, we had some beers and we drank, but uh, just, it was, it was like the beaches are super crowded. They weren't as nice as like the beaches in thailand for example i know i know kind of nitpicky but it's one of those things where like because we had the choice of going to wherever you want in the world like right. why would we fly all the way to bulgaria <laughs> to go to a beach that, that is not as good and it's more overcrowded um i mean overall i mean i i don't regret going it was, it was a nice no, place no, to go. I, you should never regret going on any of your travels unless you truly have a terrible experience you get yeah. taken advantage of you know your life could just get stolen something like that but otherwise you know you just got to uh, record the memories as you're doing now take some yeah. good photos and uh, you know cherish the, ch- the opportunity you had a chance to go there you know yeah. even even the, not the place itself but the journey uh, getting there is something to, to be valued so then the journey from Burgas, Bulgaria to our next stop which was uh, Romania uh, Bucharest, yep. Romania do you remember how difficult it was for us to try to figure out a way to get to the next city. Oh, so this is something, uh, well, these guys know that we're traveling with, but myself as an entrepreneur and um, you know, business-minded individual is the, the inefficiencies of, of how things are, are, are handled. Even today, we're in a, we're, we're forming two or three lines. There's no clear one one direction and these buildings are small and you, you'd think that, you know, a business or an organization would seize every opportunity to make things better, um, you know, to work with and, and increase their efficiency. And yeah, as, uh, as Johnny was saying for the bus situation, you know, there's there's nothing online. The, the schedules that do exist, they, they don't apply. Getting tickets for his particular bus that he was speaking of, um, you have to get it from the bus driver. You know, you kind of have to get there as fast as you possibly can to fight the next person for the seat. And it just seems like the, you know, the worst way to to, to handle things. And uh, especially for, you know, someone that wants to get ahead. Um, I mean, yes, we have internet uh, reliability, but uh, still, the you know, there's certainly better ways to get things done. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I like about traveling so much is we, we see how even like let's say like restaurants are run. Yeah. Like how like for example, one one thing that they have all across Europe that we don't have in the US is when you want to pay with your credit card, instead of the the waitress taking you or the server taking your card, going to some undisclosed location, swiping your card, yeah. coming back, having you sign, they bring the machine with them. Yeah, that's uh, it's 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 a, it's an interesting experience. Um, in the beginning, I didn't care for it because they're kind of uh, when they go to pay and you pull out your card, they kind of swipe it right away, not getting <laughs> really getting you the chance to review it. But uh, on the same hand, I think the benefits are, um, like Jenny said, they don't take your card away from you, so you see what's happening. They kind of uh, you know, let you look at the machine in advance if you want to and see before you hit enter. And you know exactly what your charge is going to be. They don't have the opportunity to swipe it later on or, or add a a fifty dollar tip. You know. Well, actually, one annoying thing is we want a tip and they don't let us put a tip onto the credit card bill. Yeah. And I felt kind of odd asking that, you know, if that was uh, normal or usual. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. I don't know if we should have been more proactive and say, hey, we'd like to add a tip. I'm not sure. I think what it is, is they, they don't want to, they don't have an easy way to... Um, 
to be basically give the, the server the the tip from off of uh, the credit card. So then they like want, they would rather have just have cash. Uh, yeah. So and it, it makes it hard because it, like especially like let's say it's a business lunch or something like and if you're using card you maybe you don't have cash on you. Yeah, it's uh it, it's kind of an odd. Um, I, I wonder if they're more. You're right. Maybe they want the cash, but they're kind of taking that uh, that risk. That like you said, they don't have any, or maybe you only have a few bucks. So it's it's certainly a toss up. Yeah, and I think in the U.S., I think in the beginning, like ten years ago, waitresses or servers preferred having uh, cash. Yeah, you know, especially for tips. But now I think it's just such a part of the whole experience where they're like, I think people know that if you're putting on a card, you probably end up tipping more. You probably end up t- tipping twenty percent versus if it's cash, you end up tipping less. So yeah, it all kind of yeah. adds up. Even like it evens out. Even like if you factor in things like tax or taking away the two percent fee or something. I think it's a really good point, and uh, I wonder the difficulties that the restaurants face. Uh, you know, we were just talking about inefficiencies, but perhaps we're wrong in that the restaurants face five hours at the end of the night. You know, taking off tips and trying to you know divide them among the waitresses. So maybe maybe they have it right. Yeah, definitely. So we're actually at the stop right now. Um, with our driver just walked out with all of our passports. Uh, all right, so we uh, just. Kind of, I guess we're we're still halfway through uh, passport control. Oh, we're certainly not uh, done with the process yet. We had to. Uh, they came to the car, and a couple uh, couple people came in and inspected and wanted to go through the bags. And we're asking some questions, and I was kind of nervous, even though we weren't doing anything wrong. But yeah, so um, kind of a, a crazy experience because you got a bunch of Ukrainian guys yelling at you in <laughs> army outfits, and we have no idea what they're saying. And we have our driver who is a super cool guy. Actually, where is he from? Uh, he is. He's. Uh, I, I think he's Ukrainian himself. But he's uh, been living in Moldova for three years, and before that, he was in Poland for a while, and I think even Portugal. So uh, we'd certainly found a good guy to connect with. Yeah, it, it was really random how, how you found him, uh, and, and it was so cheap. I mean, he's driving us from one capital city three <laughs> hours into another country, and he's charging us what? It was a uh, thousand Moldovian, and the exchange rate right now is about a, a one dot one US to, to twenty, so a thousand divided by twenty, so fifty fifty US for about a four hour drive plus some uh, an extra hour at the border, and for three people, which is like. 15 bucks each like 20 bucks each <laughs> I, I don't insane. get it yeah. but we're, we're definitely gonna give this guy a tip because he's a super cool cool yeah. guy um, but to be fair the normal so the only reason why we're actually taking a, a, a private car and not a, a train is because the train left or the train normally leaves at 7.30am which is a bit early but we, we would have done it but they only run on certain days yeah they run on the weekend and, and again this is going back to the kind of the inefficiency of, of what we found here is you know there's this lack of information online and you know it's, it's very cheap to put things online I, I know it's kind of new but uh, you know, on the way here, think of how many hundreds of people we saw waiting on the side of the road because you don't know when that bus is coming, if it's running today, if it's not, and you kind of just you know waste your own time. And I guess if you got a lot of time, it's okay. But you know, for for folks that our time is kind of really our money, um, we don't have time to waste, which is exactly why we're in this. In this. Well, here's a crazy thing. I mean, really think about it. Is you're you're telling me a story earlier about how you hired a guy or you you put a, a job post on Craigslist for someone uh, to bring some tiles up for you for you know for you from the you know ground floor to the third floor yeah. and you're saying how people that lived like an hour away or two hours away were willing to come and just make you know 30 bucks because they didn't value their time yeah we we had this discussion this morning uh kind of about this taxi we were laughing over breakfast of how cheap it was or i shouldn't say laughing we were, we were surprised and uh i was telling johnny the story of um i had just bought my first condo and uh, i had to bring some tile upstairs and i certainly uh, couldn't take all of it myself so i put an ad on craigslist looking for people to just bring it up literally carry a box of tile up and down the stairs for maybe about an hour or so and i had gotten emails from folks that 
in Miami, which is about an hour away. Um, and the guy wanted to know exactly what time to be there because he had to take two buses and a train and another bus to get over here. And I said, uh, hey, you know, this is only going to be an hour or so. Uh, and you're only going to get paid maybe maybe 30 or 40 bucks. He said, no problem. I want to do that. And I, I kind of... Uh, uh, was a little bit impolite to him. And I kind of explained that uh, this is a terrible business idea. And uh, certainly after the money of spending uh, uh, for the transportation itself, but his time, you know, he's going to be making maybe, maybe $3 an hour. And he continued that to say that that was okay. And it, I, I just didn't, I don't, I don't get it. So on one part, I really admire and appreciate his hustle because I think that's kind of lacking in a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, even if it was just next door, they wouldn't want to do it. Even if they're broke and they have no, um, they have no job, you know, and it was down the street. A lot of times people are like, ah, still it's beneath me. I don't want to do that. I'd rather just collect, you know, government money or I'd rather just like, you know, just not do anything at all. So that I, I really appreciate his hustle. But at the same time, even hardworking people, unfortunately, if you're not putting your, your mind kind of towards like the right thing yeah. or doing something that can potentially grow into something else by devaluing what our time is worth. And my time was worth nothing you know a few years ago you know because i wasn't making any money yeah. anyways yeah. and i was making like three dollars an hour because i was taking people scuba diving and i was making like a tie wage which is like you know three bucks an hour and at the time i didn't value my my, my time and that was a very very bad thing to do because luckily i snapped out of it mm-hmm. and, I, and i finally realized that my time is valuable but i think that one like mental shift is a big factor in what um makes people successful or not if you keep you know if you keep thinking that your time is not valuable maybe you might end up getting stuck in this poverty loop forever you you mentioned the word hustle and you know to be honest i I hadn't thought about that angle and that you know he should be applauded that he's willing to take two buses to train another bus to do something to earn so little and uh i think i think you're right i uh i'm I'm kind of uh uh, surprised at myself for not considering that angle and sure he he absolutely should have been applauded and perhaps even rewarded with the opportunity to do that job for for you know um, putting those those pieces together to make it happen. But um, furthermore, to your to your um, thought process, the evolution of an of entrepreneur is learning the value of our time and you know what it takes to to uh, you know make something happen. What should we be doing? And and, and a lesson I'm learning in my personal development as a business person is um, delegation and the the concept that if there's anything that someone else could do at a cheaper rate than what you can do it for, you're you're really supposed to delegate everything out. And the most successful people. Um, really only do the few things and they get to a level where the things that they do is is really just conceptual ideas is developing their business thinking of things brainstorming those are the most expensive uh, things to do and everything else is delegated down to folks that will do it for you you know i found myself still working on my own website and uh, responding to my own twitter things and replying to you know certain emails that you know someone for for minimum wage can do um yeah so uh, here's a fun question what was your first job ever how much money were you making per hour uh my first job was uh at a uh, movie theater and the uh, movie theater manager had had sold me on the fact that uh, the Star Wars was coming out, and uh, the line was gonna be was gonna be out the door, and that every single person would want this uh, uh, popcorn and a drink combo pack, and that I would get fifty cents for every person I got to uh, uh, get this combo pack too. And I, I thought it was a, a terrific plan to um, you know perhaps double my hourly wage. I actually really like that because like having some kind of performance based salary or incentive to me is the only way that you should ever really do business no like any job like any job that set, you know that gives you a set amount that can never grow unless maybe you get a promotion or something yeah but like there's no like actual performance base i think it's that's a ridiculous model because it, it doesn't incentivize people to work hard it, it, absolutely and if you take that a step further and, and think of uh um ideas like uh, like fiverr and we start breaking down services by the very specific you know job that it is like you said uh you know per, per the job itself is is genius 
you're going to uh, try to get as much as you possibly can done, um, you know, rather than rather than work your hourly wage and with no incentive. You're absolutely right. So I'm a big believer that if you're not meant to be an entrepreneur, you're not an entrepreneur yet, and you want to work for someone else and, and collect a um, paycheck from a company, by, by all means, go for it. But really make sure that there's some type of performance bonus kind of built in where if you hustle your butt off and you work really hard and you make that company money that you're going to get rewarded for it, which is going to in turn make you want to work even harder. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. Most entrepreneurs, obviously, you don't start off like that. You're always going to have a few jobs first and uh, you start to learn, you know, these these uh, lessons about, uh, like you said, uh, you know, if you're working a job and, you know, you're a savvy person and you're creating uh, uh, faster ways to do things or better ways to do things or, um, you know, anything like that, that you're not getting rewarded for that. You, you feel it inside. It almost creates this fire of, OK, I'm, I, I can I can do more than this. And I think as business owners now, so as people who have employees, we should always keep this in mind. So for example, my customer service guy, you know, he gets paid, you know, a flat rate of 150 bucks a month just to answer calls once in a while. And if I had just left it that way, he would have, you know, probably still, you know, done the job, but not like in any kind of exceptional way. Sure. But what I had realized is when people call into one of my dropshipping stores, they're probably ready to order something. They're not just asking how long it takes to ship. You know, they're ready to order. They kind of just need someone to kind of push them, you know, in the right direction or help them with the order. So I told him, I said, hey, you know, instead of you answering the question, hang, hang, you know, hanging up and then kind of hoping if they order, if you can just stay on the phone with them and have them order while you're on the phone and you just, you know, it's, and it's good customer service too. You just tell them like, oh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll walk through the order just in case you get stuck, you know, go ahead and just order on our site now. And if you, you know, have any questions, let me know. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, you know, I'll let you know if the order goes through on our site. And the customer loves it because they want to know that there's someone there, you know, to help guide them through the process if they have any questions. And then the reassurement of knowing that the order went through, you know, while they're on the phone, it kind of makes them kind of relax and know like, okay, my, my order's probably going to come in a few days now. Uh, everything went through fine. You know, I don't have to deal with it. What were, what were your conversions like uh, in between the first model of getting paid per hour and uh, um, switching to kind of incentivizing him? Did you see a, a huge increase in conversions right away? Or so it was a little bit hard to track uh, that specifically, but one hundred percent like over the over the phone. Now, usually six out of seven people that call in, wow. buy, like buy it on the spot. While before, you know, maybe half of them would end up buying eventually, okay. but then you might lose them to a competitor or yeah. they might get busy or they might forget your website or something. Like yeah, absolutely. And then your guy on answering the phone, he's, uh, you know, he's happier to pick up the phone too, rather than like you said, just picking up kind of answering questions because he has that, um, it, you know, he's getting rewarded for, for making the sale. He's pumped. That phone's ringing, I bet. And he's excited. Yeah. And now his bonuses are bigger than his yeah. flat salary. Yeah, there you go. So now he's like really incentivized. That's a really good idea. You know, and I really think this is, you know, this can be done with, with any job out there. So like, for example, you know, um, the main reason why I hired Anthony, the guy to edit all the podcasts is because me and Sam came up with our new podcast, Invest Like a Boss. Right now that podcast loses, you know, couple hundred bucks a month because we're not uh making any money from it you know Mm -hmm. we're still growing our audience we're not like we're not accepting advertisers or anything like that but our goal is to have fun with it to be able to connect with a lot of high value ceos of you know big companies and eventually you know uh as long as it keeps growing people keep sharing it and we have a large base then we can make money from it and so right now you know uh anthony's making a flat salary which is actually a pretty good amount because we we really do the math you know he's you know he 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 does a lot of other day-to-day stuff but he's really just you know uh editing 
eight podcasts a month. So four for Travel Like a Boss, four for Invest Like a Boss. Sure. So he's getting paid close to like a hundred bucks an hour just for doing that. Oh, wow. But if you think about it, that's something that I don't have to be doing. And you know, maybe it takes longer to do. Actually, it probably takes two hours to you know edit everything, put it up. So whatever it is, it's it's kind of what you went back to earlier, where it would not have been worth. It's not worth my time doing because I can be doing something else to 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 earn more money while doing it or build something that could potentially yeah, earn more money yeah. better. And, that, and that's what it is. Yeah. And I, I, I've been struggling with that for a while, um, but uh, it's one of my personal growth um, uh, things I'm working towards this year. Yeah. And I think that like kind of what we just said there is, it's kind of like the big ticket because we're not always going to be, you know, I'm not always doing something that is making me more money than, you know, like editing. Like, so for example, you know, me sitting here in this car um, is not making me, more, you know, more than a dollar. You know, us like sightseeing or like you yeah. know going to restaurants and stuff isn't making me more money. But it's also letting me relax and giving me experiences and ideas to hopefully have an idea or make connections that will eventually uh, build a business that would make more money. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You may not be making money, but that value of of seeing the world and and eating at these restaurants and and going through experiences like we're in right now. That's that's worth something. Thing. And uh, it may be hard to convert that to a monetary value, but uh, certainly um, I'd rather be here with you right now in this experience than you know sitting at my desk uh, making that <laughs> making that hundred bucks an hour. So let me ask this: So you uh, are with us for a total of how many days? Uh, I've been with you for uh, it's been about uh, I'd say seven or eight days so far, and uh, we have about uh, just under a week left, so uh, five five more days. Okay, so like two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. So I, first off, you know, I think it's pretty cool that you're able to just, you know, pause your business, even though you're the owner, and be able to let it run still uh, without, you know, hopefully without, you know, blowing up or anything. Um, how often do you actually get to, to do this? How often do you actually get to just, you know, like take a break from your, your business? Well, it's, uh, I kind of worked the first three years, uh, you know, 18 hours a day, you know, seven days a week to, to get where it is now. Um, kind of like you said earlier, I, I didn't have the money per se to, to even delegate those tasks. So when I started to build things up and train people how to do things, um, I, I'm able to take this time away. And it's difficult for a business owner to put that trust in, in other folks because at the end of the day, no one's going to care about it as much as I do. But uh, it's, it's working. Um, I've been checking my emails every day. Uh, while we're out traveling, everything's just fine. There's no fires. Um, the team is doing an exceptional job, um, you know, running the show. And so now my goal is to um, have them continue to do that and I'll create another business and get it going and then have a team train them how to do it and then grow another business and eventually, uh, you know, be able to relax and uh, just earn that um, that income. So so real quick, the business is a mobile uh, blood co- collection company. It's real. Uh, so when companies or, you know, athletes need to get a blood sample taken yep. to do whatever test they need to take uh, take instead of them going into the you know, doctor's office yep. uh, Phil's company can send and authorize people to do that to perform the collection yeah you got it so um it's uh it's a phlebotomist this is the the, the trained person to collect the blood you know uh, collect blood um we send them out to doctor's offices hospitals laboratories clinics uh in-home collections and uh, as you kind of alluded to um I can't name any names obviously but yeah we've we've certainly had some fun experiences where we've uh, needed to send uh, one of our folks out to collect a blood sample from uh, people that uh you know, you all listeners probably know. So, like athletes, or uh, yeah, there's been some athletes. There's been nice. some uh, some folks you probably see on the TV. Oh, like 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 TV TV yeah. stars, movie stars. Sure. That's pretty cool. Nice. All right. So how? Okay. Right, so how did you actually come up with the idea of this uh, this business? And by the way, we just started the car. We got our passports back. We are officially stamped to go into the Ukraine. 
excited for this. Johnny and I are both looking through our passports now, looking for that new stamp. Yeah. Uh, well, what's funny is our driver was looking through my passport earlier, seeing like pages and pages and pages of <laughs> random stamps. So uh, right out of right out of college, what was uh, your your first like career or, or my or job? my first job right out of college was an undercover agent um, trying to buy cigarettes from gas stations. Oh. So I was flowing around the country. Um, they gave me uh, um, uh, car and travel expense and hotels, and my only job was to go to gas stations and try to get them to sell me cigarettes. <laughs> That's our driver uh, yelling on a bus. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll assume it's Russian. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was my first job. Um, it was uh, it was fun. I got I got to do a lot of traveling. Um, yeah. So did you work for like the police or like who? It, it was like a third party um, company, like an audit company. Okay. And they would uh, they would audit for, uh, you know, compliance for for selling cigarettes to minors. That's crazy. And you know what? Good, good on you because like kids shouldn't be buying cigarettes anyways you know and the fact that anyone even sells like I don't know it's one of those things where like tobacco, big tobacco they, they want to make their money and there's enforcement and you were kind of like the the guy there to kind of stop underage smoking yeah That's I mean cool. you know there was there's, there's a word for this it's called a narc um, but listen at the end of the day cigarettes are uh, cigarette. it's not a good thing and uh, big tobacco is plenty of money and uh, they should certainly not sell to minors. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes I was kind of like, uh, oh, this is not cool what I'm doing, but uh, uh, it, it's for the greater good. Yeah. So how did you uh, go from that to, to like to your next job? What, what is like your career? Yeah. So there's a couple of years in the middle where I did some other jobs. I, I worked for uh, for the government, uh, municipal and then uh, local. I'm sorry, uh, local and then the uh, city. And uh I did that for a bit and did some other jobs, did some traveling, um, you know, around the world a little bit. And then uh, eventually I was approached by a friend of mine who, who worked at a large medical company and they needed this service, this this phlebotomy, this blood collection service, but nothing existed. Um, there was maybe one or two companies, but they didn't uh, they didn't offer the services like we kind of envisioned. So we put the pieces together and, and five years later, um, we're, the, we're the largest in terms of number of collectors in the... Uh, uh, it's probably the world. There, there's not another organization like us. So, um, I, certainly in the U.S., um, we have the, the most more collectors than anyone else. So, what I really like about this is that this is giving this should give people, everyone listening, a great business idea. And you know, not to be a mobile blood collector because you guys <laughs> have kind of that uh, market cornered. But if you guys think of things that you know businesses require uh, or you know people need, that right now there isn't like an easy, convenient option. Yeah. People will always end up paying for that, so that's a that's always a great service to get into. That's actually the the starting point of a lot of the ideas that I have now. Is you know on your day to day, you know activities, and you're you're kind of doing your thing. If there's ever a time where you pause and say, you know what, this is the this is the least efficient way to get this done, or man, I wish that I had this to get that done or to make this happen, that stop for a second, there's your business idea, um, and, and then start speaking to people like uh, like Johnny and you know maybe other entrepreneurs about how to make that happen and, and putting those pieces together. But it wasn't easy in the beginning, right? Like, like it took quite a while to even start, because I remember you telling me that the, your original you know co-founder, he, after you know X amount of time, he was like, this is, this is too rough, this is probably never gonna take off. No, he was actually, he was actually bored. 
So uh, he's, uh, you know, he's more of a creative guy and then I'm more of the implementation guy. And uh, after, uh, you know, about four or five months, he was bored. The phone was ringing a little bit, but he's not at all interested. He wanted to come up with another idea and move on, you know, move on. But uh, I, I kept at it. There were certainly times where I was discouraged, where I actually needed to pick up uh, other side jobs to, you know, keep things going. But uh, I'm, I'm very happy I kept with it. And I think that's a big business lesson that everyone can kind of learn from it. Because in the beginning, you know, you might think, oh, it's going to take off right away. Yeah. We're going to get this contract because we have a, a, you know, we know somebody who, you know, for sure they're going to introduce us to their, you know, to their boss and they're going to hook us up. But we're going to get that first contract. Everything's going to be easy. But business doesn't always work out that way, right? And in fact, they never called. So so the organization that uh, he knew needed a service, they never called us. Actually, well, they did two, two years later. And it was uh, other organizations that had found us online. It's such a unique, um, unique service that we we're very, very easy to find online. And the phone started ringing. Yeah, I like that. So you know, if you guys have an idea either for an online or offline business, you know, don't don't always expect it to be, you know, you're picking roads in the beginning, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes a while to ramp up, and you and you know, if you have to work another job on the side, if you have to just you know, do whatever it takes to get through it. It, it's worth it then, right? It is. It is. Yeah. Very nice. So you went from, I mean, can we, we talk about how many how many millionaires do we have in the car right now? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, well, I, I know about myself. I don't yeah. know about, I mean, I already... So I'll say me, both me and the driver are definitely not millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> So if we're if we're if we're being honest with each other and we're talking about uh, you know liquid assets, um, uh, I'm not at, at a million dollars in the bank yet. But uh, between the value of my company and then my properties and my bank account, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly, uh, I'd be a millionaire. So big congratulations for for all, you, all of your success. You, One big thing that people are always kind of asking about, and, and this is why I brought this up, is. Uh, People are always saying, like, if you're traveling, you know, these guys are big bosses. We're making, you know, good amount of money. Why are we staying in hostels? Why are we sharing rooms? Why, are we, you know, why do we get excited when we find a meal for, for $3? Uh, I, I love this question. I was actually uh, pondering this a few weeks ago on my way to work. Uh, the question that uh, I had been asked is, you know, because I, I, I'm kind of, uh, uh, I'm not going to say cheap, but I'm certainly smart with my money. Okay. And there, there's... Uh, I was with my, uh, I was with a friend earlier in the night or the, the night prior and we were kind of having this conversation. They said, man, Phil, you, you have money. Why, you know, why are you drinking Bud Light or, you know, why, why don't you just get another drink or why don't you just buy shots for everyone? Why, you know, you have the money to do this. And the, the, the idea that my parents taught me when I was younger is, uh, or the saying is that the rich don't get richer by giving it away. And the idea is that we have money because we keep it. And to, to, to Johnny's point is, you know, yes, we could eat at a nice restaurant every single night. We absolutely could. But then we're not going to have as much money. And, and something that motivates me is being able to wake up in the morning, you see your bank accounts or you see your sales from the previous day. And, you know, that really motivates you to get more and more and more. And uh, you're not going to get more if you're just sitting there buying expensive cars and, you know, Gucci shoes. Yeah, I, I think that's really smart. I, I actually think there's there's two types of people that become really rich is one. Uh, and I think that's kind of like more of the surefire route. Uh, and you know, and I, I kind of like you know a little bit of the, the the clearly defined route is is making money, uh, saving more than you spend, and then using that money to buy assets or to produce more money. Yeah, to produce more money, exactly. Ironically, the other type of person who makes a lot of money is the exact opposite, where they make a little <laughs> bit and they just spend all of it. <laughs> 
but it's like this uh it's one of those things where they have the the big risk you know mentality you know go big or go home and through kind of balling out spending money they end up meeting you know other um you know other rich people who end up you know giving them opportunities or they end up seeing opportunities <laughs> and they you know go broke something like pretty often but then they also become very wealthy yeah yeah it's funny you said that i was uh uh, speaking with a friend of mine, um, I'm not gonna name her, but but Johnny had a chance to meet her, and uh, she she makes more money than I than I do. However, um, she drives a very nice car and a, rents extremely high, and she has a taste for shopping. And uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, not to say like you know one's winning, one's losing, but uh, at the end of the day, through those habits, is I'm coming out on top. And you may find someone that even just makes uh, thirty five thousand dollars a year with with uh, uh, good attitude towards spending and saving that they'll they're sometimes better off when you look at their credit and their bank account than someone who's driving a, a BMW and has a big expensive place with you know nice uh, TVs and everything in there because they have twenty thousand dollars in their credit card. Yep, I, I highly agree. So you know, definitely two you know schools of thought, two ways to go for it. For for me, and I would imagine most of, most most of my listeners. You know, we like value. Oh, yeah. We like being able to to travel on the cheap and enjoy the good things in life, but at the same time, you know, not be too big of an idiot about it, right? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, uh, when I was watching this uh, story about the, the creation of Amazon, um, uh, 99% sure it was Amazon, they were interviewing uh, uh, one of the founders, and he was driving, he's still driving after they hit their big success, is his old Honda Accord. And uh, it was a couple years old, and it had cloth seats. And she, she, the interview uh, said, uh, interviewer said, you know, you're you're a multi-millionaire uh, running uh, a a uh, I don't think at the time it was a billion-dollar business, but certainly in a couple hundreds. Why are you driving this old Honda Accord? He goes, I like it. He goes, this is my car. It's been my car for a while. Yes, I can buy a new one, but there's no need. I, you know, I, I enjoy it. Well, so my cousin is actually a good example. He uh, was a wedding photographer, still is, curdyphotography.com, if you guys want to check it out. You know, and for the longest time, for like the first 10 years that he was in business, even though he was probably making six figures, he was still driving an old Honda Civic hatchback. There you go. And he, you know, and he's like a very Buddhist guy. And he was always like, oh, I, I don't, you know, this car's fine. It yeah. still runs fine. It's, it's clean. got four wheels. Uh, it stays good on gas. I don't need anything else. And one day, I don't know how it happened, but the whole family, like his parents, cousins, aunts, uncles, his sister, everyone kind of convinced him to start spending more money. Oh, yeah. So he went out and bought a new, you know, and I think the one of the things that they had said to him was like, oh, if you, um, if you don't, you know, spend you know, more money, you're never going to find a wife. You Interesting. Know? And I think, you know, he was getting a bit older, so he really huh. wanted to, to get married. So he went out and bought a new car. Um, he went out and bought a nice, you know, expensive house, and he met a girl. Ended up getting married huh. to her. Had the nicest wedding I've ever been to, and he, <laughs> you know, he he's been to hundreds of weddings. He's sure. a photographer. Oh yeah, of course. So I think he just made it like he just knew, you know, all the good stuff, right? So he knew like the best caterers, the best DJ, the best venue, everything. Everything. And it was an amazing wedding. And unfortunately, two or three years later, they ended up getting a divorce, and she just took everything from him yeah i was uh, wondering how you're gonna end that story and i wonder if uh, if you were alluding to the possibility that 
she or they had met each other because he was spending more money as opposed to, hey, I'm going to pick you up in this Honda Civic hatchback because you don't show someone your bank account on the first day, right? Uh, what's actually funny about that is one of my mentors, this guy named JP, the first millionaire I ever met, uh, when I met him, he was driving a Honda Accord. Yeah. Brand new Honda Accord. Yeah. Uh, lived in a, you know, modest two-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. So, you know, you, you knew he wasn't like broke or anything, right? Sure. Uh, he always had like clean clothes, probably from the Gap or something. But like, you know, he, sure. you, you wouldn't think he'd be a multimillionaire. And it wasn't until at least a month, or if not three months later, when we went down to LA together, he it was like, oh, you can come stay at my place. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I have another car down there. <laughs> Turns out he had three cars down there. <laughs> he had a Porsche 911 Turbo, Whoa. a Ferrari F430, oh. and I don't even remember what the other one was. <laughs> and I was like, why Why do you have an Honda Accord? And his exact reason was yeah. like, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, when I first meet people, I don't want them knowing you know, who I am, yeah. how much money I have. That, that's, that's another uh, a part of it. Yeah, so you and I were kind of talking about the, the mindset of, of folks that want to keep their money and save it and, and smart or, uh, spend uh, smartly. And uh, yeah, there's another uh, um, idea which is kind of tying into your story of the wedding is, is what do people see from the outside? You know, you pull up in this fancy car and maybe you, you know, have uh, big uh, uh, chains and, uh, you know, sparkly uh, uh, watches. And maybe that says something about the people you attract and, and I don't know, perhaps what you're looking at. I'm not sure. But what the sad thing is, a lot of times we do that to ourselves. Yeah. You know, we are the ones to like, you know, go to a club and pop a bottle to get attention. Sure. Because we, you know, we want that attention. And it's like this, this crazy vicious cycle. I, I really believe we, we attract exactly what we end up with in life interesting yeah i haven't haven't thought about that i I think you you may be right i mean of course sometimes you want to celebrate you want to enjoy maybe you closed a big deal or you made a lot of sales one month and you didn't want to go enjoy it but yeah i I think you're right i think uh you know you start to attract a lot of attention and maybe that attention wants you to go out the next night at the club and do it again and oh certainly i think you're you're certainly onto something but you know at the same time i think it's a fine balance of not being cheap especially when you can afford not to be cheap right so like for, for example if we only stayed at you know crappy places and we never you know balled out a bit and I said a nicer place like during a special occasion where we wanted to go somewhere uh, or we never you know wanted to spend a hundred bucks on a fancy dinner yeah. to like you know to have experience the best and we o- always wanted to have the cheapest food then we'd be doing ourselves a disservice as well oh absolutely so you want you want to enjoy life so I, I think you're right you have to find that good mix in between of being smart yes yet you want to enjoy life um, you know, you don't have to spend uh, the nicest meal, but you don't want to have the cheapest one either. So I, I think you're right. Yeah. So I think, you know, the way we're doing it right now, it works well for us. You oh, know, yeah. we're, you know, it, it's pretty much every other hotel we stay at is nice. <laughs> and every other one is like the, not a piece of crap. Yeah. Something <laughs> a piece of crap. Uh, yeah. And also too, is, uh, you know, you, you, you don't want to die with any money, you know, of course you want to leave some for your kids. Um, but, uh, you know, having that money just sitting in the bank, um, it doesn't uh, doesn't do anything for you either. There was a good story that my uh, my mom had found in the paper. There was this guy, young guy, worked his ass, oh, uh, you know, worked uh, two or three jobs, lived in a very small apartment, basically ate ramen every night for, for years, but he was able to amass something like uh, $750,000 in cash through, through but, you know, but look at his life. Eating ramen every night, never going out, never buying new clothes. You know, this is you know. Yes, he had a three quarter million, but you know, what is you know at what cost? Yeah, and the thing is, actually, from the sounds of that, he wasn't investing in anyways. So yeah, you're that, right. Yeah, that, yeah, that money is actually getting worth less and less. Less every and year. less. You're right. Yeah. You know, I think so. The, here's the way the way I think of 
of how to spend money. And I, I, I really think this is kind of one of the, the best solutions I found out there is try to make way more money than you, than you spend. And the easiest way yeah. to do that <laughs> is to live very like minimalistically, like normal, you know, like keep your rent low, yeah. you know, don't have car payments, don't have, you know, all these fixed, keep your fixed expenses as low as possible. And enjoy kind of like the simple things in life. That's a, so, you know, right. the, the equation is so simple, yet people constantly look at their paycheck. How can I make more money? How can I make more money? But you don't have to. Johnny's right. Just just stop spending so much. You know, when you spend $5 every morning at Starbucks, you know, you, do, you, you don't think it adds up. But, you know, if you just buy a coffee maker for 20 bucks and, you know, think of coffee, you know, that's going to last you for a, a couple of weeks, maybe even a month. And, you know, it's little things like that and smaller rent and, you know, not buying the, the, the nicest car. It, it truly makes some changes. You don't have to earn that bigger paycheck. Yeah. So that's step one is right away you guys can start saving some money. Step two is, you know, with kind of living minimalistically, I find that you also you, you end up having more time and more mental energy to build the businesses, so to bootstrap a business. So you can take the money that you've saved, you know, because you can pretty easily save $1,000 a month by moving into a, a cheaper, smaller place, sure. you know, not, you know, wasting money on crap, not, you know, not eating all the time. And then use that money to bootstrap a new business that can maybe generate you, you know, extra couple of thousand bucks a month. And the- then with that money, buy investments, you yep. know, or build another business. That's a really good idea. And that's how, you know, and, and kind of like using the cycle, I, I really think this is how people can get rich in yeah. 2016, 2017. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's, um, you know, spending your money on things that create value rather than just kind of throwing it. So if you're if you're putting your money out there, no matter what it's on, it's a, it's a purchase, it's a service, something you need to live, you're not getting anything back from it um, of any real value, then then don't make that purchase. So and, you, you yeah. live in Florida. I live in Florida. Uh, an expensive place, like what, Fort Lauderdale? I live in Fort Lauderdale. Yep. Okay, so what are, are some common things that you see people wasting money on? Uh, well, Fl- Florida is kind of known, especially like in the Miami area, of this over-the-top glitz and glamour, you know, these fancy clubs and these fancy cars. Um, so it's, it's it's and then you like you said, you get caught in people that like are looking for that lifestyle and they get used to those sort of things. So it's difficult to kind of stay away from that. So on an average weekend, if someone's you know, going out to a club in South Beach, I mean, what are they spending? Uh, it depends. You know, you can you work your way up to maybe even 10 grand a night um you know getting the nicest table and a couple bottles and champagne and you know you're you're paying for the folks your table too most likely and yeah i can certainly get up there but uh um i i don't uh sure it's fun but i don't uh participate like that but i think even like when people just go on say i'm just gonna have a small night they end up spending what 80 bucks I, i would say minimum yeah a couple beers a couple beers 80 bucks easy and then uh you know for someone like us is uh you know yes we have the 80 bucks to spend but i'm not getting that value back you know, do I feel better? Do I look better? Am I going to feel better in the morning for spending that 80 bucks? No, I'm, I'm not. I'd rather spend the 80 bucks and buy one share of, of some company just for fun because, you know, the 80 bucks is gone with those drinks and I'm never going to get back again. But if I could put just the 80 bucks or maybe if I don't go out for a couple of days, put the money into buying something or building something or, or uh, you know, supporting a project that may eventually grow one day, that's a so much better way to spend your money. So when you mentioned value, like I'd rather take that 80 bucks and and here's the thing is if you're going to do it, you know, a place you've never been to before that like, and you're with like friends celebrating something, you know, that, that's one thing. Oh, right? of course. Yeah. And that, that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But pretty often people go into the same club. They go yeah. to every weekend, <laughs> the same you know, bar. the same bar, yeah. the same people yep. trying to impress, you know, the same people. <laughs> wow. That $80, what has that, what can 80 bucks, what has $80 gone on us here in Eastern Europe? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it, 
I mean, even the, um, everything, right? So, so the, the value of a dollar goes so far here. And, and if you even can save these $80 every week and work your way to even come to a country like this, you're going to be surprised at what, the, what you should be able to afford. Like meals here, like we go out and we, we eat, have the best meals. Like we're having three course meals with bottles of wine and it's usually less than 20 bucks a person. Yeah. Well, Johnny, you and I went out last night after uh, we had a, a beer and we went out and just got a bite to eat. I think it was like three bucks for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was nothing. And, and, you know, I mean, that was just a kebab. But like, yeah. you know, we've been to like so restaurants in like when we were in Sofia. Yep. Do you remember that first night we had, they brought out this board with like carved meats, <laughs> a sword in it. Uh, we had, we had, I don't know, yeah, we definitely, we had wine there. We had like appetizers. We had way too much food. I think, I think Johnny ordered a, a platter for a family, but, uh, you know, it was, it, it was three feet long wooden board of sausages and vegetables and uh, potatoes and a sword coming out of it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was so cheap. It was good. It was, it was, you know, authentic food. And that was like 10 bucks. Maybe 10 bucks. Insane. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, kind of there you have it. That's kind of like our our way of traveling like a, a boss in a way where you can enjoy great things, but still be able to save our money so we can hopefully become four millionaires in this car yep. instead of just one. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when I think of traveling like a boss, I don't necessarily envision this person with, you know, flying helicopters place to place. It's really taking advantage of the situation and, and being a smarter person, you know, when you travel. So, you know, you, you're not just giving your money away. You're, you're being smart decisions. That's a boss. I like that. I like that a lot. So, I'm curious, like before you came, kind of came on this trip and, and you, you know, and we met, um, and you kind of got introduced to like the first co-working space and things like that. Have you heard of this kind of digital nomad movement at all? Uh, I, I read a little bit about it. Um, you know, and especially when you're, when you're traveling, you kind of go in cafes, you see other people working or, you know, people hopping on their, their, uh, their computers. But I think for the, I'm not going to the first time, but it's still a relatively new, or, no, it, it is new. Um, the concept that, you know, you don't have to be constrained by your location and, I was truly inspired after seeing that that co-working space that you can team up with other people. So one of the difficulties of being an entrepreneur is surrounding yourself with people that can help. Um, you know, you're going to have questions and you're not going to know how to do everything and you're going to need people to team up with. And I was truly inspired by the possibility that I can go to a place, walk in, sit down and talk to a guy at the same table that that knows how to do shopping carts for websites or someone else that knows how to do product design. And uh, it, you don't have to feel like you have to go at it alone anymore. So big shout out to uh, Impact Hub in Bucharest, Romania. Yep. A beautiful place. Oh, yeah. Really neat. Really neat. Overlooking uh, right downtown, smack dab in the city center, overlooking the parks, windows around the entire uh, entire office. Very cool working space. Yeah. It's almost kind of ironic because Romania is not really thought of a place to go to um, to co-work, especially like Bucharest. But it kind of just shows like every city we've been to now has something. Yeah. And it, it really is growing. Well, you know, kind of going back a, a few steps, you know, traveling like a boss, you know, being smart with your money. Maybe Bucharest is the perfect type of place to be that uh that you know co-worker i mean that the you know traveling um you know digital nomad because it's cheap you know you can still get the same work done if you're in your computer whether you're there or you know in hong kong you know your your work is your work so do it somewhere where it's uh, cost effective for you i like that that's a really smart idea if you guys want to know more about romania or bulgaria co-working there check out johnnyfd.com uh, i wrote uh, kind of write-ups to, to both they're called johnny's guides uh so you have a youtube channel right what's the URL for that? uh it's a traveling director um it, uh, it's just kind of a, you know, I put just fun videos up there and occasionally I'll put videos um, in my own kind of uh, interest in online marketing. I've I found every time you go to Google, and this is for you folks out there, every time you go to Google and you can't find exactly what you're looking for, but then you do figure it out, put it online. 
So I've been writing a travel blog um, about uh, our trip. I it hasn't been online yet, but in, in my experience of where to go for the train station, you know, things that I had to figure out. Um, a, a good example was one of the buses stops in a small town at something called BCR. And I had no idea what this is. And finally, when we got there, it was a bank. And that bank was not on Google Maps. Um, I had to, you know, find the bank's website and go to their branches and translate it all. And and I put it on Google Maps the very same day. It was instantly approved. And I put a few pictures up and it's, uh, you know, I dropped the pin in its location. And, um, you know, I, I don't own that. I can't claim that spot per se, but, uh, you know... It, Anyways, to go back to YouTube, so I put things up that um, people are searching for. You know, if there's questions or, um, you know, they want to give a tour of some place that's, that's not up there, I, I own that. And one of my videos, um, I just hit, I, actually, I'm over it now, 100,000 views. And it, it was something silly. I had bought a rear view camera for my new car and I could not figure out how to install it. And so uh, I figured it out and I went on YouTube and made a video, 100,000 views, because nobody could figure out how to install this camera. I, I think that's such a smart way to add value to the world, but also... You know, when people ask, you know, how do you build an audience? Yeah. That's exactly Give it. Give them what it's, they want. It's, yeah. it's find things that, you know, you want, you wish were, were out there. Exactly. That's it. And instead of just saying, oh, I wish it was out there and then forget about it. <laughs> do something about create it. it. Create be, it. Be the one. Be the yeah. creator. Yeah. I love exactly. that advice. So we'll have a link uh, to Phil's YouTube channel in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Uh, any other way people can find you? Um, I don't use my Twitter that often. I used to do the same thing. Uh, I would uh, kind of try to tweet things or, or uh, link things to uh, things like first, you know, get news out there right away. But uh, I'm kind of uh, kind of too busy to, to kind of get that. But uh, no, the, the YouTube, uh, that's probably the best one. You can probably find me online other places, but I'll, I'll give you the link to YouTube. I like it. So we have a few more days together in Odessa, Ukraine. Oh my gosh. You're going to have such a good time. Super excited. Uh, if we can ever get there because we are in the car stuck in, in traffic because <laughs> the roads in rural Ukraine are not the best. Uh, so this is it. Yeah, Peace out, Phil. Thanks for, for thanks being for, on the thanks show. Thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. And here is a award from our driver. It's okay. The car's okay. Okay. Not possible. Yeah. No, it's fine. Пидорасы ебани, блядь. Нахуя вы поставили, блядь? А нахуй его поставили посред дороги? Вы не могли его ехать? Это кто-то сбил машину, и она вылетела. Посмотрите, они... Ну так а кто дивится там за ними? Ну зачем вы так разговариваете? Так а кто дивится там за ними? Да ты мне ничего не сделал, блядь. Я чуть машину не разбил. Должен кто-то дивиться, чувак. Нету людей. Заебалы, блядь. Пидорасы ебучин, нахуй. Козлы, блядь. English? Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.